0: I'm Eric Chemi, and this is politely pushy. Rick Hamill is my guest today. He's the CEO of Atlas, a global employer of record company. And, and you've got businesses or you've got business in 160 countries. I couldn't even name 160 countries. My first question, Rick, first off, thanks for coming and joining me here today. How many countries have you been to in your life?
1: Well, first of all, I gotta say the pleasure is mine. Thank you for having me on board. Um I have actually gone through four passports and I've met 117 countries directly that I've been wow. to. Um, I can't tell you that I've seen 117 countries. I can tell you that probably the airports and the hotels, but 117 countries later.
0: Global employee of record. It's the idea, and you'll say better than me, but my understanding, right, is companies now, they're all global, right? We went from remote work and a lot of that was domestic or, okay, you work a few miles down the way. Now it's, you can work in America, you can work in, any content, you can work in one of 160 countries. Jeez, you probably can work in Antarctica, the North Pole, and have a job, right? We're recording this podcast. I don't know where you are. You don't know where I am. It almost doesn't matter, right? As long as you can have good internet. But the rules are still the problem, right? There are HR rules. There are employment rules. There are tax rules, languages, currencies, permits, approvals, all this stuff that companies still have to abide by even though they want to hire that employee in a kind of location agnostic approach, Atlas helps them figure that out, right? Because I, I assume otherwise it's impossible to sort out all the changing rules and uh, everything you have to check off on the boxes in order to hire somebody somewhere else.
1: Yeah, I think that's what's, that I mean, you just said it, which is really important, right? Companies, it's not just hiring somebody, it's actually making sure you follow the uh, rules and regulations of that particular country. Right now, employers are trying to find that that one employee that lived in London that decided during COVID they're going to move to Barcelona who, who doesn't love Barcelona. Right. Uh, but the second they live in another the country, they are entitled to certain benefits for that uh, um, as part of their employment. So typically it sounds fine and dandy until what happens when an employee goes on maternity leave? What happens when an employee wants to go on Baja? When the employee has to um, actually tap into those benefits, that's when a lot of employers realize that they're not fully compliant and the employees still entitled to them. And they have got to figure out how to manage that from that perspective. So like, working with an employer of record really does allow the organization to really think about um, their global expansion strategy, but doing it the right way, not just paying them as independent contractors, for
0: example. My guess is there's so many like bigger companies that have you know hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of employees. There's no way they can be 100% in compliance all across the globe. There's just too many rules that are changing an employee moves to Barcelona, doesn't tell anybody, and the company's at fault, but it wasn't their fault because they didn't know. It must be very scary if you're head of HR, head of compliance, head of legal, the CFO, COO, CEO. Some problem is gonna run up the flagpole and you didn't even know, right? I'm sure this is where you're like, hey, this is where we can help you. Now yeah, we have clients. I
1: mean, we're using the example of um, Barcelona and London. The uh, better, even better example would be looking at someone that lived in New York and they decided that they were going to move to Toronto. That's the same zip code. That is the same, um, you know, it's three hours away. That particular employee actually being in that particular country um, working, that's what creates um, PE risk, that's what creates, creates compliance risk. It's really important that employers also understand when they're communicating with employees that remote work, that they're trying to be flexible, but they have a solution if the employee doesn't want to leave outside the country. Communication is really important from that perspective so that employers can be proactive in that approach. Again, most of the time, employees may not talk about it. If an employee doesn't talk about it, it's because they don't know about the benefit that they offer. And it's important that employers understand that there's a solution that allows them to retain talent as they're going abroad as well.
0: You guys are the largest, the most experienced, 100% direct EOR. How do you compete in the marketplace? How do you say to a company, hey, pick us, don't pick somebody else. Are there companies that are still trying to do this themselves? Has everyone gone to a, I need to hire someone to do this? Like, Is your competition the, the inertia of doing nothing or is it the, there's other people out there, but we are better for XYZ reasons?
1: Yeah, I think our, our biggest competition actually is going to be the organization that is thinking about the brick and mortar, how they've always done it and they're going to continue to do it that way. Um, in many cases, the cost to set up an entity could be exorbitant but they're looking to go into a certain market. They want to hire their first employee, but they really don't know what that is. But the brick and mortar of actually how, how do you go into the country the way that we have done in the last you know, 100 years. Well, with an employer of record, it's we give them that flexibility. I, I like to use the example of China quite often. China takes 18 months and $250,000 of share capital to get started to do business in China. Where with us, we can onboard an employee as soon as five days so that flexibility that ability to say hey let's you know if it's if it's employee retention if it's client um business expansion um this is the solution that really allows them a lot more flexibility It allows them the ability to really kind of look and navigate how they're going to go global how they're going to manage the global people operations and gives them the flexibility without having to go through the cost and the time it takes to actually set up an entity why partly because we did it (laughs) i did that i we talked about earlier I, i flew into roughly 100, over 115 countries. I've had um, have representatives in other countries that helped us set up those entities in other countries that I didn't go to. We did all that work. We did that investment on behalf of our clients. But a lot of it's because we knew that we were going to grow. A lot of times when companies come in, they're, they're testing with one or two employees. And in, using that example of China, $250,000 of share capital that you can't touch for 18 months and for the possibility of one or two employees, doesn't make sense. So a lot of companies right now, when they're thinking about, um, low concentration in certain countries. They're looking at um, putting countries, you know, hiring talent all over the world, not just in certain key countries. This is where a solution like ours can be very helpful. Again, for expansion, for strategy, and for retention.
0: I'm gonna get into some other business questions in a second, but I'm just personally curious if you could live anywhere, work anywhere. What's the best place? Where Where is the of all your data and research? What is like this is the sweet spot? Everyone needs to go to X.
1: I don't know. I, I'm, a, I'm a little biased. So I, I did that initially. I moved to Barcelona. I lived in Barcelona.
0: Well, you were that guy. You were that
1: Barcelona guy. <laughs> I did that. I love Barcelona. It's one of my favorite places. Um, but I've also, I mean, I've, I've got to see many parts of Asia, many parts of Africa, and Latin America. Um, but um, I, I'm i not a warm climate individual. I, I, I'm really big into history and into um, sometimes cold areas. And my, my newfound love is one of my recent trips that I just went to the, for the first time. I went to Edinburgh and in Scotland, and I just absolutely fell in love. It was a, a place that I thought had a lot of culture and a lot of um, uh, je ne sais quoi that I needed to be in that particular region. But uh, that's my my new love is uh,
0: Edinburgh recently. You like the cold places. You... You coined the term human experience management. I've heard of, you know, human resources. We all have, I've heard of human capital management. What is human experience management? How does that, how does that blend into all of this?
1: Yeah. So you, you got to think about the overall experience in your platforms and what the employees get out of it. We, we're in a world right now where remote work is both um, exciting, but also the same time challenging um, employees. Um, are enjoying the freedom of working from home, but they're also not being able to get fully connected to cultures or to that environment that they had in the office space, connecting to uh, missions and visions and, and values sometimes that were typically founded and grown within um, the workplace. So when we created our platform, we really thought about what does that experience look like? How do you really manage your entire global people operations and strategy um, in one platform where employees still feel very connected to the organization? Um, uh, core values, core missions, um, and core components of how they want to treat employees. So building that through simplicity, through the platform, localization is really important. Um, you know, we as an organization are not looking to be this American company trying to do it the American way. We are very focused on being local, global, but local um, from that perspective. And so we build a platform that when employees log in, um, they have their language. They have their uh, their own experience. They have their certain cultural nuances that we took into account from that perspective. We wanted to make sure they got the ability to connect within the platform. And even when they're going through the employer record model, that they still feel very well connected to our client base.
0: You just announced a Series B investment, $200 million from Sixth Street Growth. What do you intend to do with that investment? What does that, that number mean to you as a milestone for how far you've come?
1: Um, well, one, it's exciting, um, you know, especially in the economy that we're in today. Um, a lot of its investment into our technology, continued expansion to our local mentality, um, really, um, really supporting um, more into our marketing efforts and getting the word out. I think that employer of record is not as well known as I, you know, I would like, and I think our industry would like. Uh, which means there's a lot more work to do. There's a lot more education to do um, in what we do and how we support companies and how we truly create opportunity for those organizations really to expand and to connect with talent around the world. And so um, education, marketing, and talent—I'm uh, sorry, and technology is where we're looking to continue to do more investment in for the next couple of
0: years. When well, you mentioned the customization, if somebody opens up their portal in a different country, it has their language. So how many people do you have to hire How many different countries of talent do you need in order to make this work? Are you hiring from 100-plus countries so you have all the languages and the rules? They are all looking to you for expertise, right? Atlas expertise. That means you have to go find it in-house. That must be a very difficult challenge.
1: Yeah, so um, we are almost 500 employees internally around the world. We represent 98 languages. Uh, we have a number of recs open right now for our team, so uh, yeah, there's a there's a lot of investment. It gets back into the statement I made earlier. We're making these investments. We're doing these investments um, to really make sure that our clients don't have to. We're leveraging leveraging an investment into our clients so that when they come to us, they do what they do best, which is running their businesses, right? Going after the best talent, not just the talent that's in their postal code or their zip codes, but really looking at talent that's going to really help them propel their organizations. And without having to go through that traditional, again, brick and mortar investment, um, because we've already done that on their behalf. So that employer of record model gives a lot more freedom, a lot more flexibility, as I mentioned earlier, but it's because we wanted to make sure that clients didn't have to worry about the, the pitfalls of doing business um, globally. You know, traditionally companies will say, oh, going globally, that's the thats the big boys, that's the Coca-Cola, that's the IBMs. Those are the large organizations. Where now, uh, you know, small startup or scale up organization who wants to hire their first talent or more, uh, more talent around the world, they can do it very easily, very simplistically through a partner and solution like Employer Record.
0: Does this? How do you say the argument? Like a lot of Americans think, "Hey, this is how I lose my job, right?" Because they could hire somebody cheaper, somebody else. Do you hear that type type of fear from people? Who say, "Hey, well, now if I'm equal. Like they're equal to me, but their rules are more lax. And someone that makes hundred grand here, you could hire someone else for thirty grand. And that that type of argument. I'm sure you hear it all the time.
1: Yeah, but you know, it, the data shows something quite differently. So the type of talent that's being hired in these particular locations are closely on par to what you're seeing from a cost perspective in the us this the employer of record model is not um, um expanding businesses uh, outside of the us to to lower cost in the us it's helping companies really expand their business and their client base and how to support their clients that they are supporting and bringing on outside the us so it's not a a way to outsource um, what we traditionally see and in, in campaigns and we see in the media we're really there to support businesses who are truly looking to grow their us headquartered based organization but also go out and support their clients around the world and i think that's a little bit different than that and again the data for us are showing that these are not low cost locations these are not low cost on um, talent these are people that they're looking to expand now in some cases you're going to have some of that from that perspective um because you're going to in some cases it's more advantageous from maybe a base salary perspective but believe it or not sometimes in many countries um, there's more benefits that are, are that are required in those particular countries and can be beneficial to, or a little bit more beneficial to the employee than the employer. And so that's where we help help navigate with our clients and partner with our clients. Uh, but it's not about uh, getting rid of jobs in the U.S., it's about expanding U.S. businesses and making sure that we, they're doing investments around the world so that they are set up for success.
0: And this is a very basic dumb question. When you say employer of record, if someone were to work, let's say I work for company X and they're your client, right? They're an Atlas client. Am I being hired by Atlas or am I being hired by X? Who is my employer if I am that foreign remote worker across the globe? Yeah, great question.
1: So the employer record model is where we actually act as the legal employer on behalf of our clients. Um, the client is what we call the managing employer. They manage the day-to-day, by the direction of the employee. Um, but when it comes to the day-to-day and the back office, like payroll, compliance, tax management, we act as the legal employer. Um, in that particular country. Our clients do not have legal entities in those countries. So I'll give you an example. Many of our clients who come to us, they realize that there's a non-compliance issue um, that they have in a given country, maybe because they paid employees as contractors. And we all know that there's a thin line between contractor and employee. Um, and so they wanna make sure they're doing it the right way. And so what we would do is in countries where they don't have legal entities, we would onboard those employees on, on their behalf um, we would, again, be the legal employer. The employee would sign an employment agreement with us and our com- our company. Uh, they would be enrolled into our company benefits because we're a much larger employer. So we're able to offer Fortune 500 benefits to these employees from that perspective as well. If pension requirements are required and our 401ks are required in those particular countries, um, we would actually do the enrollment of those particular uh, benefits as well. And then the day-to-day is managed by the client. So we're back office, the client is front office and day
0: So complex. I'm impressed how much you have to deal with. What about all this, let's say, I'm going to take something from the news right now, Twitter, right? It's like, hey, everyone needs to come back to the office, right? No more remote work. When you see these trends and you look at sort of HR trends that we saw through COVID, coming out of COVID now, going into 2023, what trends do you think will fall out of favor and which ones will grow more as as you're talking to your clients your customers that what they want to do what they're starting to plan on doing maybe things that they're they're getting rid of from things they used to do
1: i think i think there's a pendulum right it's going to go back and forth it's going to but i think realistically what we're going to see somewhere right in the middle a lot of employers who are remote work um they've hired talent around the world so they're going to continue to do that I think when you look at the movement to of the office, I think that's where employers are trying to build some of that, um, that that team building, that that connectivity to the office and to the culture. A lot of employers are not doing five day mandates now. You see the example of Twitter, as you mentioned earlier, that's a little bit different. But when you think about the day to day. Um, employer, the the one that's looking to be competitive, the one that wants to make sure they're attracting the right talent, um, it's somewhere right in the middle. It's somewhere more about hybrid. And statistics show that some employees are very comfortable with hybrid modes. They just don't want to be in the office every single day. Um, So they want that flexibility. They want the flexibility to be able to live their lives. We've all gotten used to what a post-COVID world looks like. So I think it's important that employers realize that and make sure that they're meeting employees in the middle.
0: What's the biggest challenge for companies managing employees in different countries? so let's say let's say they' pioneers. Hey, we're mostly in I'm gonna it, America, but we have a few people in these other countries, but they have no manager there. So we're managing them from across a continent, across time zones. What advice do you give those companies to do it in a way that will be successful for both the employee and the company in the long run?
1: Well, partner with an employer record, I think that's probably the one. That is that.
0: Yeah. So they sign up with you first and then, and then what do they, because you're the back office side, right? So once they've done that, what do they need to do on the front office? You know, management, leadership, guidance, assigning tasks, feedback, that type of thing.
1: Yeah, I think, I think believe it or not, when um, when it comes to managing employees for the most part, um, the rules are pretty much the same across the board. You want to make sure you're respectful. You want to make sure you set KPIs in place. Those are things that you're going to, you're going to set expectations, making sure that they work within their business hours. Um, especially with global organizations, with leaders in different locations. Um, But when I say partnering with an employer of record, I think it's really important. We actually know how to do business in these countries. We know the rules and regulations. We know the do nots Um, um, and we can really support and partner with our clients and how to do business, how to navigate and how to train those particular clients um, and their employees on um, how to really make sure that they're setting those teams up for success in those particular countries. So the partnership is not just a transaction of the back office. It's really understanding the rules, the regulations, and how to make sure that you're setting up your organization and the employees that you have remotely in these in these foreign countries for success.
0: I'm glad you said that because it ties into culture, right? Just sort of the this is how we do things in this country, and unless you've lived there, you've gone to school there, grown up there, done business there, people may not know, right? It's it's more than a transaction. It's just okay, in this country, everyone shows up two minutes early for meetings. Or in this country, everyone shows up five minutes late for meetings. Just those little things that can really trip you up if you don't know.
1: Yeah. I think it's it's interesting is that um, cultural nuances, um, and I I was just talking about this this morning. It's very interesting we talked about it. Uh, I was talking about diversity and how diversity, my depiction of what diversity means um, is very different because my own experiences, my experience of growing up in the U.S., my experience of working in the U.S., But when I lived in Spain, the idea of diversity was very different because everyone had different experiences there. So really making sure that, um, partnering with an organization that really understands how to do business atlas, we have individuals in those particular countries. We have people that have, come from those backgrounds. We represent that within our organization because we, we want to make sure when we say we're global, we really make sure that we we really look and feel global as well and how we partner with our clients and their overall success.
0: And talk about you for a little bit, because I'm looking at you. You don't have any gray hair. I'm like you're probably around my age, but you're the CEO of this big global company. How did you do that? How did you climb up the ladder so fast? What's uh, special? What's the magic in you, other than having to go through four passports, which I'm only you know I, I don't go that much, so I don't I don't have the four passports issue. But are you just traveling all the time? Or are you just working nonstop? I mean, is it just you have to work harder than everyone else to get to the top, or is there something else that that you're doing decision-wise and, and your approach to dealing with people that got you so far?
1: So there's a couple things, right? I think that one, I'm, um, deceptionally, this is, I'm not probably not as young you think I am, so I'll start off with that. Uh, but uh, one is I am, I've got a phenomenal team behind me. Um, I could not do this without this amazing engine that kind of pushes us forward. They are, um, they're the ones that inspire me to get up every single day. So I, I've got to say it's that, it's not just me. Um, but to get the business going, um it is, it was hard work. It was thinking off outside the, of the box. It was looking at a solution. I was in HR before. I was head of HR for a government contractor who um, had to operate in Saudi Arabia and Singapore Japan, Japan. and I needed a solution like this. And everything that I found that was similar um was in my part, uh, my opinion not there yet. And so I saw the gaps, and i I, I knew that my core was to help people. And I wanted to create a solution that was going to allow me to do that.
0: It's it's impressive what you've done, what your company does. What do you think, if we sit here a year from now, what will you've wanted to have accomplished? Is there a goal that you've set for yourself or your company in terms of either customers, your users, total number of employees, revenue growth? What's, what's the metrics that you look at for the next 12 months?
1: Yeah, I'm actually, I'm pulling up my notes right here because uh, that's something that I, no, no I, cheating. I, no notes. No, no, no. <laughs> I've got, got my notes because I look at this on a day-to-day basis. I okay. I, I have to be able to make sure that um, I set goals, right? And in some cases, I've achieved those goals very quickly. Um, and some goals, that they take a little bit longer to do that. So it's I look at them and, and I'll, I'll read them verbatim what I have here. Hey, go for it. Uh, you know, look at uh, it says, wake up every morning and ask yourself, what can you? What, what's the deepest impact that you can have every single day? The second goal: um, look at what you're going to be able to do um, in two years, in three years, and try to see if you can get done in one. Um, third goal: if you think you're doing your best, do the best of someone better, because you always know your own limitations, but try to make sure you're doing the limitations of someone better. So those are the goals that I look at every single day, and that's what I'm looking to accomplish. I think I think we're at the tip of the iceberg of the organization. I think there's a there's a huge runway in our industry and what we can do i just think that we just have to make sure that we're doing it the right way and um, that doesn't always mean that you have to be the fastest because the fastest is not if you know the, the story of the tortoise and the hare, the, the hare didn't win but um making sure that you built a strong foundation if you look at how we did that we were the first ones to set up our entities around the world we we're the first and only direct employer of record that's 100 direct
0: at our scale um, what does it mean 100% are, direct? What does that phrase mean in this
1: case? So that means we own and operate all of our entities. We do not outsource the third parties. We own okay. operate our entities. Okay. Um, we were the first ones to coin the term employer of record and
0: use it in the industry. Before that, everyone called it global PEO. So we have- Oh, created- so this comes from you, from Alice. It's like you're the original EOR namesake right here. That's a really big deal to, to realize that. Yeah. So the industry was there,
1: but it was very different. And when- we were, well, we were building our overall platform, building our overall solution. We realized that, you know, that direct model, that service enabled technology solution was going to be very key to that and doing that directly um, because when you have indirect solutions, it's not consistent and clients want to have a partner that's consistent across the globe. And so we built that and we named it and we ran with it. So it doesn't mean that we're the biggest because there were, there were ones that were there before us but we're the ones that are ch- game changing. You can look at the Nelson Hall report that recently came out. We are top in technology. You can look at the episode report that came out. We're, we're considered a leader there. We we are really transforming what it means to be um, a global a global employer of record, but also how companies really fundamentally think about their overall global people strategy
0: and how they're gonna manage it. It's, it's impressive. I have a couple of just final quick questions for anyone who's interested to hear this. They think, okay, maybe for me. What's the smallest company size that you work with? Is it like a four person startup and it has, you know, one person, a different, like what's your smallest company that you work with? So we talk about giving opportunity. So we'll work with a client that
1: has one employee in one country. That's the smallest of
0: But isn't that the owner then? Like, it's like, if it's one employee, isn't that no. the person themselves? No, no. So it's their first country that they're doing a bit abroad. So we okay, don't- Okay, their first sort of global, their first foreign employee. Okay. That's correct. That's correct okay so so anyone can sign up with you like anyone can any, sign up they have one void in another country and then i don't know if you can share this Not what is the typical cost is it on a like monthly dollars fee or is it a percentage of income how do you figure that out
1: well we do do a flat fee but it really depends on the overall scope that we're going to be supporting our clients i can't really give a price because we, we don't like we're not we're not car salesmen right we right. want to make sure that we really understand and partner with our clients so the first thing we do is a 30-minute call to get to know our clients, really understand what they're looking to do. By the time we put together a proposal, we're putting together an overall strategy and how that's going to support. It's one employee. It's a lot easier. But many of our clients come to us. They have many employees in many countries. And we're there to support them and kind of look, kind of look at their overall strategy and how we're
0: helping. Rick, I'm, I'm blown away. This is a very, very interesting business. It's impressive what you've done as an individual, as a company, and how you're helping individuals and companies across the globe glo- you know across the globe grow their businesses. Thank you so much for spending time with me today and walking me through all of this.
1: No, the pleasure is mine. Thank you. And you can see that I'm very passionate about what we do here. It's it's really again creating opportunity for companies to really expand their business in a different way.
0: No, it's it's great. Thank you so much, Rick. Thank you. Thank you to my guest and thanks for listening. Subscribe to get the latest episodes each week and we'll see you next time.